Well, today, church, we are continuing our sermon series out of Psalm 103 as we are going over the the benefits of salvation and how we are to be thankful for them. And today we're focusing on the third benefit. The psalm says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Here's the third one. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. And church, that one little phrase, steadfast love, is what we are going to be focusing on today. And it's Hebrew word, the root word behind it is this word, chesed. Can you all say chesed? You got like throaty, like chesed. It's one of the, uh, and chesed is one of these key theological words that would top the list. Just like when we say things like justification or regeneration, those big old words, this is right up there. And chesed is an incredibly hard word to translate into English. Very difficult because if it's deep and it's nuanced meeting, it's, um, you know, at its core it deals with relationships, but it's like a rich lasagna. It's got some layers. Or if you like the movie Shrek, it's like an onion. You know, it's got layers to it. This word has said is deep. And that's why there's no exact English or even Greek equivalent to it. So different English Bibles are going to use different words in the same places to express this idea of chesed. Uh, older Bibles, like the King James Bible, will often translate it as love or goodness or mercy. But one word, truthfully, it's inadequate to express the richness and the depth of what this Hebrew phrase is trying to convey. So newer Bible translations, they'll tend to use compound words. Things like uh, steadfast love or loving kindness or loyal love to try to approximate the intent behind this Hebrew word. I've chosen today to use loyal love to describe Hesed, so I'm going to use both interchangeably today. But through, three, through our three scripture readings, we're going to explore this idea of Hesed, and then we're going to come to some conclusions on how we can give thanks to God for these things. For Psalm 103 says, He crowns us with His Hesed, He adorns us with it, He clothes us with His Hesed, His loyal love, and we are to bless His holy name for it. So if you can and you are willing, please stand for the reading of the sacred scriptures. Hear now the words of the living and true God. Exodus 34, 4 through 9. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first. And he rose early in the morning and went on to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And took in his hand two tablets of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, or chesed, and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love, chesed, to the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. A reading from the epistles. Ephesians 5:22 Wives submit to your own husbands as to unto the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church his body and is himself its savior 
Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And finally, a reading from the Holy Gospel. John chapter 3, very famous. Most of you know this by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light, Jesus talking about himself, has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, talking about Jesus, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's pray. Father God, we just read the sacred scriptures out loud, the word, and I pray that you would use them to fix our attention upon Jesus, the living word of God that you would work on our hearts today. They would use the proclaimed word to shape us and mold us, correct our thinking, to build faith in us, to help us trust you that you are not a liar, but you are the one true God. Meet us all where we're at today. Minister us through the spoken word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So church, we are to be thankful for God's hesed his loyal love to us. But to deepen our gratitude, we must first, we should strive to understand what hesed is. And that leads us to our first preaching point. What is it? What is hesed? And to answer this, we're going to be turning to our Old Testament reading. And in this scene, Moses has requested that God reveal to him his glory, which is a crazy request, but he does. He's like, God, show me your glory. Be with us. Show me who you are. And God answers his prayers. He answers them. He reveals his character. And we see in this, when God comes down and he's proclaiming his name, which means to reveal who Yahweh is or who Jehovah is, he's telling him his attributes, his characters. He's saying, Moses, this is who I am. And in that, we see right up at the top there, with God's grace, with his patience, we see this thing called chesed, this steadfast love or loyal love, right up there with those other things because chesed or loyal love or steadfast love is a part of God's very character. 
It's simply who he is. Our God is a God of chesed, a God of loyal love. It's an expression of his infinite goodness. It says that he overflows with this thing called chesed. He bounds with it like the deep and mighty ocean. And since our God does not change, the living God never changes. He is who he is because that's who he is. He will never fail to have chesed or this loyal love for his people. God does not change. He, never, he doesn't just stop having this faithfulness. It will always be there. God is who he is. And that's something that when we read those, even if we don't fully understand it, take it to the bank. Our God is a God of steadfast love. Our God is a God of loyal love, a God of chesed. But it's in verse 7, we begin to see aspects of this loyal love or chesed, like what it, what it entails. It says in verse 7, in our Old Testament reading, it says that God keeps this chesed to the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And guys, in these short few sentences, a lot's going on, a lot to unpack on what chesed or loyal love or faithful love is. Uh, but we see things immediately like successive or continual loyalty, talking about God is faithful to the thousandth generation. He's continually faithful. We see things like the forgiveness of sins and for pardoning his people of their evil deeds. And then we also see where God puts a generational limit for when his people abandon him. Now, normally when we read that last bit about visiting the sins of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation, to, to our Western minds, that's like a bad thing. Like, God, why are you punishing kids? And I don't understand that. that. That is not what that means across the pages of Scripture. That's not how it's applied. It's good news. God puts a limit. He puts a barrier, a boundary, a, a cap, if you will, on how long his people are allowed to forsake him. Okay, because God is so loyal and loving, he always intervenes. And if you know the story of scripture, time and time again, his people will go astray, but who always shows up? God always shows up. You read the book of Judges, two or three generations will abandon God and worship idols, and then God will show up. So that phrase is not this uh, arbitrary punishment. It's this idea of your children are going to be idol worshipers like you, but I'm going to stop that. I will not allow your family to be cut off from the living God forever. It's a part of his chesed. God is loyal and loving even though his people are not. That's the idea. So when his people go away for two and three and four generations, God's like, nope, enough of that. You're coming back to me. I'm going to corral you like sheep back in because if I let you keep going, you're going to be destroyed forever. But God preserves his people. It's a part of his chesed. It's undeserved. It's undeserved love. That's the idea. And so if you take these ideas together, the idea of long loyalty, generational loyalty, forgiveness of sins, and pardoning iniquity, and putting a stop on how far God's people can go astray, how deep into apostasy they can go, if you kind of synthesize that all together, this is what I came up with, how we can define chesed. Chesed, or loyal love, or steadfast love, whatever your Bible says, think of it like this. It's God's grace, his undeserved affection, his undeserved goodness, put into actual action. It's God's grace put into action for you and for me. God's grace. And he's always working out this good grace towards us because God is loyal. He's faithful. He's kind. It's who he is. And Hased is just God acting that way. 
He's just acting in his character. But what's it actually like to be a recipient of God's said to be a recipient of God's loyal love? Which leads us to our second preaching point, our second scripture reading. What's it like? We've kind of gotten a rough definition now. It's God's grace in action. But what does that actually look like to receive that? And after going through a bunch of examples in the Bible, this is where I kind of felt the spirit landed. If there's any way to communicate, and I think in a way that most of us can understand, of what it's like to be a recipient of God's undeserved grace in action, like his love to us, it's the marriage covenant, marriage and family. I mean, we just read that scripture because in that epistle reading, the apostle, he's, in, he's actually instructing what Christian marriage is to be like, but he's like, yeah, I'm talking about marriage, but I'm really talking about Christ in the church. I'm really talking about Christ and his people. And we see things, this expression that it says, husbands, love your wives like your own body, like your own flesh and your own bones. Love, love your wife like you love yourself. Why? Because this is the way Jesus loves the church. This is the way Jesus loves his people. The church is described as his bride who receives his undivided love and attention. And there's so much being said here. But at the core of this description is that Jesus Christ, to you and me, his people, is pictured as the ideal and perfect husband. He cares and leads for his bride. He never forsakes them. He never cheats on them. He never desires anyone else. He provides for us. He protects us. And he purifies us out of a pure love for us. He loves his people as he loves himself. And think of this, God is love. And if Jesus loves you as much as he loves himself and God is love, think of how infinitely deep, wrap your mind around that, how infinitely deep God really loves you, you personally. Like God is love. Jesus is God come as a man. He loves his people as himself. And he is love embodiment. It's this never-ending deep fountain of loyal love for his people. And not only that, he also cares for uh, the children of the church. I mean, that little phrase, to think of it as an illustration, God cares for converts. When people come to Jesus who don't know anything about Jesus, he doesn't beat them over the head saying, I can't believe you're not doing really good. He admonishes them in the ways of God. He encourages them. He teaches them the truth. And even the little children in the church, if you can understand what the ideal perfect marriage would be like where the husband loves perfectly, then you kind of are scratching the surface of what it's like to be a recipient of God's chesed, his loyal, unfailing love for you and for me. But there's a real problem because throughout the story of the scriptures, our ancestors, the children of Israel, which is called God's bride and called God's children, again and again and again, they forsake the Lord. They forsake his chesed his loyal love for them. Time and time again, they turn to idols, sacrificing their children on cruel bronze altars, burning their children alive, becoming like the pagans of the land, burning their babies to death and practicing all manner of evil abominations and practicing great injustice in the land. Like that's the story of the Israelites. God is faithful to them to save them. And yet they keep turning from him, becoming like the pagans. And yet God, when he proclaimed to Moses who he is, which by the way, that scene, it's right after the golden calf. Right after the golden calf, when they made the image, and if you remember the Sunday school stories where they made the golden calf and they're worshiping it, God still proclaims, I am the God of faithful love. I am steadfast in my love for my people. And already we see in that Exodus reading, 
the seeds of what the rest of the Old Testament plays out to be. The people keep turning to idolatry again and again and again. But God had a plan to put an end to that, to secure his people forever. In the fullness of the time, God sent his only son into the world. And this is, leads us to our third preaching point, but it's how we experience today and ever since for the last 2,000 years, how you and I can personally experience God's chesed, how you personally can experience God's loyal love for you. And like we read in our baptism verse, skipped it, the promise is for you and for your children and your children's children and to those who are far off and those who God are bringing near. God's promise to be loyal and loving to them is for all who will receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is God's chesed to us. Jesus Christ is God's loyal love, his steadfast love to you. He's literally the embodiment of it. He's the full expression of God's faithfulness. And as we read in our gospel reading, when you read that, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that's because God's love is so infinite, deep, and perfect, so enduring, that even though his, the Israelites have gone astray still, and even though you and I were separate from Christ, he still sent his son in the world to redeem us to bring us back to himself. God is faithful. He's faithful to save us, to put an end to sin and death and free us from the snares of the devil. God sent his son into the world through the incarnation. What we're gonna celebrate in this Advent season, God became a man because he's that faithful to us. He will do whatever it takes to save us. That is how loyal Jesus is. And think about that. God did not have to do that. God did not have to send his son into the world. God didn't have to become a man. He didn't have to do any of that. But it's a part of his character. It's a part of his loyal love for you and for me and for humanity and the world. God loves us that much that he came on that Christmas morning and then eventually would die a horrific death on a cross, taking our sins upon himself, being buried and then rising on the third day. It's consistent with his character. The gospel is, another way to put it, God's chesed being played out. God's faithful love, his loyal love being played out, his steadfast love. And Jesus models for us perfect chesed to the Father because we know Jesus never sinned. He is perfect. He showed perfect loyalty to the Father. He never sinned against God. And so he models for us that too. And just so there's no doubt when we talk about God's faithful love, this is not some abstract moral goodness or some vain philosophy. We're talking about the person of Jesus and how personal it is for you and me. And that's why the apostle Paul can say things in his letters when he writes to the churches. He can say things like, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And you as a Christian, you can say God's said was to me, his loyal love was to me because he gave his son for me. He gave it for my children. He gave Christ for my family. You can be a personal recipient of God's chesed through the gospel. God has loyal love to you. So much so you think about the providence of life. You're here today hearing about God's faithful love to you. If there's anything that can be said, how he brings you into the place to even hear about it. God demonstrates his love for you to put you in contact with his son to know him, to love him, Jesus Christ, our King and our God. But the problem though, isn't that it's not true or good news 
is that we are just like our ancestors. We are just like the children of Israel, who even though we may hear and experience God's kindness, we can reject him. We can turn to all sorts of evil desires and falsehood. And the scripture says this is most people. This is most. We'll enjoy God's good gifts of life and kindness. We'll enjoy all the things he's provided. But then we deny him. Psalm 14 says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who are understanding, who seek after God. But they have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. This is the general description of humanity. And yet God in his chesed, his loyal love, his steadfast love for all the world, as we read, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. He gave his son to redeem those who do not know him, do not love him, and who reject him to turn them into his children and his family. That's how loyal God is to humanity, that he will do what it takes to save those who hate him, who reject him, deny his existence, live as they want to live, and turn them into his friends and children. That's how faithful the living God is to you personally, to me, to my children. And outside of God's loyal love, outside of his said, there's no life. There's just death and there's just destruction. That's all there is to await for you. I mean, you're asking ultimate causes of life and death and it's God's said, God's loyal love. And I say, if that's you today, if you are the foolish man or woman who does not seek after God, who has, not, has no desire to live and know who the living God truly is, to be embraced by his loyal love to you, and I plead with you, think about what happened. Christmas is right around the corner. Like, that's a real event. God came into the world to save you because his love for you is that strong. Will you receive that? Will you believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you repent? Will you be baptized into his name? Will you experience life? Will you experience God's said and discover what it truly means to be at love, to be loved and at peace with God? For God's desire is for you to truthfully live and to have peace. But for those of you who have already received God's loyal love, you're like, Adam, I'm already Christian. I've already embraced the gospel. I, I believe that God sent Jesus for me. Well, then I guess the question for us is how do we show our thankfulness for these things? How, how do we actually apply scripture like this, this type of truth? As those who have received God's chesed, his loyal love, how do I actually practice it? And so just some things that came to me during this week is one, worship as those who have received God's loyal love. In our Exodus scene, Moses is revealed the character of God, and God says, I'm a God of chesed. Your, your people just built this golden calf. They worshiped an idol. I spared them because this is who I am. And what's Moses' reaction? Worship. Worship is the only logical conclusion to the infinite goodness and loyalty of the living God. If there's any motivation to come to church, sing songs, ask God into your heart daily to lift up his holy name, if there's any motivation at all, it's because God is loyal. He is faithful. He is filled with eternal goodness to you and to me. And secondly, if you have received God's loyal love in Jesus Christ, 
If you are a recipient of God's said, live as those who have. Grow in loyal love to Jesus. We read in our marriage passage, which really is about Jesus and the church. He says the church submits to Jesus. Are you daily coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, asking for that intimacy, asking for that depth of experience with him, laying your life down and saying, Jesus, you know, I know it sounds a little silly, but like Jesus, take the wheel type talk. Are you coming to Jesus like that? Does that characterize your life? Do you want that depth of intimacy? Because any sane person who's married wants a good marriage, right? How much more when God says that we are his bride, the church, and he's loyal to us, should we not want the depths of a good relationship with Jesus? Come to him daily. Ask for that depth. And then grow in loyal love to others. All throughout the pages of the scriptures, God would say things. Like in the prophet Micah, he says he requires that his people have hased to one another. Meaning, be faithful and loyal to one another. Show that same type of deep commitment to God as you to other. The New Testament puts it like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's the same ideas, just expressed in different ways. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength, and love others like yourself. That is like hased in action again. That's the same idea. And lastly, this is important. When you realize you fail at practicing hased, when you fail at loving God with your whole heart, when you fail at loving your neighbor as yourself, when you fail at those things, Trust in God's said. Trust in that. There's a time in the book of Lamentations, as a, an example story, we'll close on this. When you sin and fail, trust in God's steadfast love. There's a time in the book of Lamentations, prophet Jeremiah, Jerusalem is being destroyed. The, it's, it's bad news. The people of God are being butchered because they turn to idols. And despite all the evil happening to them that they brought on themselves, the prophet is able to say this. He says this, and this is one of those phrases that most of you know. It's one of those scripture memories you do for kids because it's true. He says this in the Lamentations. The steadfast love, or the chesed of God, never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When you read those verses where they call on God's eternal goodness, they're calling on God's chesed. And so when you, during the week, or your Christian life, you stumble and fall, trust God's said, Turn to him, because his mercy will not turn from you. That's the promise of salvation. God's mercy will not abandon you. And as we come to the altar time, maybe there's some things in your life you need to do some business with God on, whether you come down or you're in the seat or whatever, but are you straying from God? Are you straying from your relationship with Jesus? Think back to the time we had a baptism today. Think back to the time when you got baptized. Are you walking with the living God? Are you practicing faithful love to him and to others? And if the answer is no, call upon him and trust that his faithfulness will meet you where you're at. The altar will be open. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we come together as your people and we even now ask for your hesed your steadfast love, your loyal love, your faithful love. Meet us where we're at today. You know what's going on in the heart of every person here. You know our thoughts, you know our desires, you know our lives, you know our struggles, you know everything about us. And yet you still extend your open arms of your faithful, loyal love, your chesed. Help us now embrace that, Lord. Help us embrace your chesed. Meet us where we're at. 
do business with us today, Lord. Change us, shape us, and mold us. Glorify your name even now.